Many people never discover their authentic origin story because the community in which they live is blind to Jesus. You see, this is what's really fascinating to me is that the community believes that all the good that is happening in it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicating to helping you grow and learn more about your faith. We are here to challenge you, to encourage you, to inspire you, but ultimately it's a journey that you have to take. We cannot take the journey for you. We can just be your guides along the way. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, and we cannot do the Salty Pastor Podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Mm-hmm. Douglas Peak. Well, hello, everybody. I'm so glad you're here today, and we want to encourage you in this final chapter of our series. And, you know, my hope is that, uh, it's been a opportunity for you to learn kind of the, 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 I call it the emotional math, mm. you know, the emotional steps based on conviction, truth, and belief. And they all woven together in order for you to experience what we've been talking about. So I hope that today we get to bring it all together in a way that is really beneficial to you, the listener. Absolutely. And we are concluding that series this weekend with your final sermon, mm-hmm. but this will be the last time we talk about it on this podcast as far as this series. I'm sure mm-hmm. all of these um, values, these things that you've talked about are things we've been saying since the inception of this podcast, but Correct. you've just we've just really drilled down to focus on them yes. over the course of this series. And yes. over the last five weeks, we've discussed the importance of knowing your life matters mm-hmm. and developing the conviction that life matters. Yeah. Kind of what happens to you when it does. Yeah. I mean, it's like we see so much, so much depression in the (laughs) world. I mean, people are lost. Yeah. People are lost and they don't feel like it matters what they do, Mm -hmm. what, you know, what they're accomplished in their life, who Mm -hmm. and what they believe in. They're like, we're just here and then we're gone. So it doesn't really matter. And it's like the amount of power you get in having that accurate origin story, the one that mm-hmm. God says, you matter, I created you, I crafted you, Yes, to do something on this planet completely changes how you view the world. Yes. And that's what we've been talking about. So it seems that everyone who's in on this conception that their life matters, but so few of them actually grow to the point where they, beyond a shadow of a doubt, actually... yeah believe it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like everyone wants to say, yeah, my life matters. Yeah. Even the people that are secular, but yes, yeah, so everybody agrees that that's the point, but saying it and then really believing the truth of it are two different things. right? Yes, absolutely. And I think, uh, we need to kind of address why that is, I think. And, uh, that we need to go back to John chapter nine, which was the story that we dug into on Tuesday of this week. And it's about a man who was healed. He was born blind and then he was healed. And Mm. what's really interesting about it is not only was he healed, but then he went before the Pharisees and the interchange that he had with them over this whole situation. And it really helps us answer the question, why are so few people discovering that their life really matters? And uh, I think one of the biggest obstacles to discovering and experiencing that your own life matters is what this story talks about is personal spiritual blindness. It's the inability to choose the accurate origin story. I mean, mm. whenever you're talking to anybody and um, if, if you're older, let's say you're a grandparent, you're going to have people in your family as your family grows and gets bigger, you know, your kids get married and their family members and stuff. 
And people are going to ask questions about, well, I'm not into church. I'm not into Christianity because fill in the blank. And it's almost universally some type of criticism of something negative that the church or another person claiming to be a Christian is done. Right. And so the counter to that oftentimes is people will be defensive and they'll say, well, how do you know that person was really a Christian who did that? Or how do you, you know, not all churches are perfect or so you're, you answer defensively. But my challenge to you would be that you uh, redirect the entire conversation. If someone says, oh, I'm not a Christian, da, 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 then I would ask another question and say, well, then what's your origin story? Then why are you on the face of the earth? If, mm. you know, how do you answer that question? you know, and get, push them to come up with an answer. I bet people get real quiet when you do that. Yeah. When you do that, it's like, <laughs> they're probably like, yeah. uh, well, I don't, I don't go to church. I don't need God. Da, da, da. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Uh, tell me then what, where do you come from and why are you on the earth? What's your definition of what a human being is? You know, maybe you could help me there because that's going to tell me a lot about you. And so that's called personal blindness and God's origin story says that we are all born blind <laughs> mm. and many people don't want to believe this origin story. So what we do in our blindness is we create things that we can look up to. Sometimes it's our goals. Sometimes it's other people, sometimes it's things we say we want to respect, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. Right. And the difficulty is, is that what people don't realize the Bible uses a real general term for this and it's called idolatry. So if you go back and here's a perfect example, if you go back and reread the historical account of what happened in the scientific community in the middle of the 19th century, when Charles Darwin published his book, the origin of the species, he published it in 1859. The reaction of the scientific community is fascinating. First and foremost, you need to understand at that time, the scientific community pretty much existed in England and in the London region, you know, they call themselves naturalists and there was some stuff happening in the Americas, but really the, the only scientific community that was highly influential was in Europe and predominantly in Britain at this time, because in the 19th century, particularly at this time is this is the height of the British empire. It said the sun never sets on the British empire. Right. You know, I mean, they had colonies all over. It was just a massive, massive empire. And, uh, during this period of time, there was what was known as the church of England, which was a government run religion, you know, okay. and in, all honesty, it didn't have a lot to do with Christianity. It was more of a power play to well, it ensure was the monarchy, it, right? Yeah, it was a government-controlled religion to control people and, and uh, uphold the monarchy. That's what it was for, and it was designed to do that, and it did it fairly well. And we've talked on this program before about the, how uh, it was the early pilgrims, you know, why they fled under persecution from the British crown over into the Netherlands area. And then eventually they came to America because of that. And this was in the 1600s, so 200 years prior to this. So anyway, what's interesting though, is back to the scientific community is that once the book was published, it offered an origin story bereft of any God. Okay. So without any peer review, without any investigation or challenge, which is the scientific method, the theory was 
adopted extremely fast. Historians who follow the history of science, uh, Thomas Kuhn used to be a professor, he's passed away now, uh, at MIT, he wrote a book called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. And in this book, he talks about uh, how does science actually leap forward, you know, historically? And it was really, really interesting, uh, his uh, position and proposition in the book. And But it was during this time, what happened is they write about uh, not necessarily in this book, but other historians write about during this time, what happened is all of these scientists, they immediately adopted this. Mm. So even without scientific evidence, they immediately all in just a massive group ran over and adopted this theory. And so the question is, I don't blame them for doing that it, because the church of England tried to control your life and they were looking for an origin story that would get them away from or be set free from the Church of England. Well, today, I think we see a lot of this happening, and that is the main reason people don't find their authentic origin story is because they don't want to have God in their life. They believe having an objective moral standard in their life by which they will be held accountable is confining or restrictive. Instead of, you know, discipline equals freedom, they believe doing anything I want whenever I want to do it equals freedom. Now, in the 1800s, it was often said, the man who is constrained to his compass has the freedom of the high seas. So you could go anywhere if you were disciplined enough to be constrained to your compass. And so this is why Jocko Willick in his book, Extreme Ownership, says, look, discipline is what brings freedom in your life. Now, if you just do whatever you want, whenever you want to do it, what happens? You know, you kind of turn into a couch potato that doesn't do anything right. because your natural, uh, slothy, uh, drives take over. And so you don't find any freedom in that at all. So this is the point of believing the right origin story. It's all about your origin story. Only the right one leads you to discovering that your life matters. Only the right and authentic and genuine origin story that describes most accurately who you are in your human experience and what you actually need and who is God and what is he doing. And once you understand that, then you are finally on the path to discovering with absolute conviction that your life matters no matter what. So this first point you kind of talked about was personal blindness, personal yes. spiritual blindness, right? So the first step in realizing that our life really matters comes down to pushing through our personal boundaries, mm -hmm. understanding that there's these false beliefs in the world that about who we are or where we come from that rob us of having the real freedom to live our lives to the fullest and knowing yes. that our lives matter. Correct. They're, they will feed us these lies that actually restrict us, put us down, mm -hmm. keep us from growing and really Yeah, you have to push that. through that blindness. You have to have, just like the blind man, you have, you we're born blind, but then we have to come back to life. Mm. Right? We have to be given sight. Right. So what are some other obstacles to knowing that our lives. Well, matter. I think we, it's community blindness. You know, I get a kick out of the story. You and I were laughing about it on Tuesday and that was all about, you know, he, he's healed, but remember he's blind and Jesus makes mud out of his spittle, puts it on his eyes and then says, okay, now go to the pool of Siloam. Right. Right. And so Jesus goes, that off. word I know how to pronounce. <laughs> you got it. And so what happens is, is that then the people are like, well, where is this Jesus? And he's like, 
I don't know. I was, I blind, was blind when I saw him last <laughs> yeah. or didn't see him last. Yeah, when I didn't see him last, I was blind. And so I get a kick out of that. But it's such a it's such a, a symbolic imagery to me of where our community is right now. And that is is that Jesus is was right there in their community, and yet the community was blind to him. So the blind man sees Jesus, the community of people who could see Jesus in which he lived and walked were blind to his presence. This is like um, early 90s. What was it? Uh, I wanna, I'm trying to think of the name. Anyways, it's the trope has been done a couple times where the girl that's kind of frumpy and oh, yeah. is nerdy and then yeah. somebody's like, oh my gosh, let me like doll you up and then suddenly she's the new hot girl at school or yeah. it's the new hot guy yeah. at school or whatever. It's kind of like that thing. It's like you're blind to this person that has existed yeah. in totally and blind. around you just because they didn't look the way you, you thought, thought they, they should. should and yeah. then, you know, they kind of reveal themselves and you're like, oh my gosh, you're, you're whatever. <laughs> or you see this in love stories all the time where it's like, yeah. it's the friend who's always been with you. And the, you know, that's a person you like, really, uh, you're supposed yeah. to be with and yeah. you just don't realize it you until something happens. And then suddenly yeah. it's, oh, I've been blind to who you are or yeah. what you are in my life up until this point. So all these stories, all these archetypes, all these memes, tropes, whatever you want to call them, all originate from an original core thing, you know, an archetype. And that is, is that the community that could see could not see Jesus. Mm. The community that was physically blind saw Jesus. And so many people never discover their authentic origin story because the community in which they live is blind to Jesus. You see, this is what's really fascinating to me is that the community believes that all the good that is happening in it. Let's just use the Treasure Valley right now, Okay. The, all the people, uh, the majority of people, and if you look at the statistics of people who actually attend church and pursue their faith in the Treasure Valley, it's around 25%. So three out of four people, doesn't matter what they say, they have no pursuit of their faith or relationship with God. Mm. Three out of four don't. And that includes LDS. So what's interesting about that is they look at their community and they go, wow, all the good stuff that's happening here is happening because of our effort. It's because of what we're doing, because we're great politicians and leaders and all that kind of stuff. But then you ask them, well, what about the bad things that are happening? You know, well, that's a result of society as well. And that's what really confuses me because people don't understand the the incongruence, how it's not logical. Everything that's good that happens, you take credit for, and everything that bad happens is the result of society, and you say it in a way that you're not a part of it. So this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I think the key here is that you're in a community and you have people saying, this is what makes our community great. And what I would say is that no. And this is the whole notion of upstream thinking. And that is, is we, we did, we did a whole video series on this and that is, well, what makes you, you know, people in Idaho happy? Well, it's the quality of life. You know, we have, we have a, you know, it's clean, it's uh, got amenities, it's got outdoor fun, it's got, I mean, you name it, it's just awesome place to live here because it's, it, there's one thing, extremely low crime. Well, why do we have these amenities? Why do we have low crime? Why do we have that? Well, because a lot of our institutions, right, are well run. We don't have a bunch of these 
people who are just crazy in their ideology running things. And so that seems to keep our, our schools seem to be doing better. They're not the best, but when you compare it to the national average, you, you know, our police forces are doing well, they keep peace. Our hospitals are doing a good job. The, the judicial system is working fire, you know, all of these things. Well, what makes all these institutions function? Well, we have to go upstream and you realize, well, it's people who are tend to be high quality people. They're people with high moral values, their discipline. Well, where do values, these high values come from? You have to go upstream and that is your origin story. Mm. And that is, is that there there's, even though there's, you know, only 25 to 30% of the people pursuing their faith that that's higher than like in California, you know, in California from a societal standpoint is a dumpster fire in a flood floating down the river, you know? That's why we got so many Californians coming up here because yeah. they're like, Hey, we like what you got up there. <laughs> it's like, significantly yeah. better than what we got down here. And, but see what that does is that what your community does is try to get you to never think about your actual origin story to get you to think about, well, what actually creates good societies in which I enjoy living in? You know, the economy's good. This is good. Where does all that come from? Well, it comes from something upstream. Mm. And that upstream thing is your origin story and the one you choose to believe. And there's a lot of people in the Treasure Valley who are in positions of leadership who've chosen to believe the origin story of who God is, what he's doing, and how we have been brought from death to life through the power of his redemption act on the cross. So, I mean, it's really difficult these days to find an authentic origin story if you look to the culture around you. I'm not yes. saying everything in the culture is bad. There are good things in the culture, yeah, but there are absolutely. also bad things. It can help or harm you. The one thing the culture around us can never really do is is tell us the truth of who we really are. The The culture is not set up for that. It is tainted by sin. It is yes. um, always going to have flaws in what it's telling you. The only yes. place we can really find out why our life really matters is in the Bible. It's not going to be from the culture. It's not going to be from the media. It's not going to be from some politician or their Correct. grand scheme to make America whatever. That's yeah. None of those things are going to help you find, find value your in yeah. your life, right? Yeah. So in my mind, what's interesting as we look around the culture, good and bad, is there's been this sense of hostility that's kind of built up towards people of faith lately. Yeah. And is this an issue that's going to affect people from being able to find and discover that their life really matters? Well, absolutely. I think that there is a movement and it's about hostility and fear because if you're fearful of something, you tend to avoid it. And, uh, the spirit of the age today, the Bible's talked about this over and over and over again, all different ways. And that is, is that in the story here, you remember that the Pharisees ignored that Jesus had healed the blind man who had been born blind and they called Jesus a sinner because he healed him on a Sabbath. And so, okay, I would think that the bigger deal is this healed the blind man, right? Doing it on a Sabbath maybe not so much. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of the things that our, our society is acting more and more like Pharisees. I see this predominantly in our public education system. And that is, is that they spend all this time in the public education system today, focusing on things that they think are critically important. And yet our proficiency of our students is going down, down, down. Mm -hmm. It's been a, a three decade trend. And so the answer is, well, we just need more money. We need more money. 
And it's like, well, that doesn't seem to be the answer. There's a lot of research and studies out there that says that doesn't make any difference. I mean, you go to Chicago school district and you realize is that they have the highest paid teachers, the highest paid benefits out there, and they have the lowest proficiency rates in the country. I mean, it's unbelievable. So it's like 10% of kids graduating from high school can read at grade level. I mean, that's just crazy. Mm. And so what's happening is our society then is like the Pharisees instead of saying, wow, this educational process produces a high level of proficiency. They're, they're not interested in that. And they say, well, we're not interested in it because it's religious or we're not interested in it because it's, it's not government controlled. We're not interested in it because of whatever it, reason. It doesn't fulfill the thing that I want it to fulfill. Yeah. It's, you know, it's oh, not, you're doing it on the Sabbath, right. you know, well, well, who cares? And I think what's really important to understand is that there are two things that can be true at the same time. Because I want people to understand what I'm saying. Number one is that people of faith in America have more freedom than pretty much anywhere else in the world to pursue their faith. Mm. That's true. However, it's also true that those freedoms are under assault like never before. And those things are happening. And we talked a little bit about this principle called gaslighting based on a movie from like the forties or something where there's a new, uh, Apple TV series that or stars series that's about it's the coming same thing. Up, yeah same it's thing. basically taking the movie and turning it into a TV series series yeah so. it's like how to how to do something to somebody in a slow way mm-hmm. and tell them nothing is changing so that they think they're going crazy right and so like here here's a couple facts you know Marshall Polston he's a 21 year old sophomore um, at Rollins College in Winter Park Florida and he was suspended I mentioned this on Tuesday. Uh, for being a threat of disruption. He was suspended after he opposed his Muslim professor who said that the crucifixion of Jesus was a hoax and he hoax. And he said, no, it's not. I mean, there's historical evidence. And so she ejected him and then he was suspended from school. But that's not an isolated case. Uh, Giovanni Rubio is a fifth grade student at the Broward County Elementary School um, the, an elementary school in Broward County District, which is kind of Miami, Dade County area in that area, I believe, who had been given a Bible at church as a Christmas present. Okay. He's a fifth grade student. So he takes his Bible to school and swore Nia Thomas is the teach his teacher in fifth grade. And on April 8th of 2014, she, his teacher told him he's not allowed to read the Bible in her class during free read time. And this is the free read time in elementary school is, Hey, bring a book that you want to read and you can read whatever. Okay. And she said, uh, you have to put that away. You're not allowed to read it in my class. And so Giovanni asked to call his father, Paul Rubio about the incident. And he pointed out that, cause she said it's not appropriate to read that. And he pointed out, okay, but why do you have one in the library that we can check out? Mm. You know, a second grader at Hamilton Elementary School in Cypress, Texas, uh, was told that she could not read her Bible during free reading time. She was also told never to bring the Bible back to school. And so once again, even though there's a Bible in the library that you can check out. And so this is happening more and more and more in 2014, the human rights commission in Lexington, Kentucky, the city there issued a decree uh, to all business owners saying that if you refuse service to any LGBTQ plus person, then, uh, you will be 
sued by us. And so they said, you need to leave your religion at home. You're not allowed to bring it, which I find really fascinating because if your religion is secularism or atheism, then you're allowed to bring it, you see, and it's encouraged by our society. If your religion is, uh, as I was telling you earlier, if it's some supposed minority group, for instance, if you're Hindu or Sikh, or if you're Wiccan, or if you're uh, Muslim, if you're any of these things, and our federal government's policy at the DEA is that uh, if you run a bureau or you run an office, you have to give accommodations to all those people, right? But if you're a Christian, you can't bring that and you get zero accommodations. This is not equality. This is discrimination. In East Lansing, Michigan, they actually forbid, the city of East Lansing forbid a farmer from selling his apples at the local's farmer's market. They said, you're not allowed to come here and sell your apples. And the reason why is because on his farm, which is private property, he will host a wedding. Now and then people, it's a very picturesque farm. People say, hey, can we come out in your apple orchard and get married? And he'd say, sure, but he won't allow same-sex couples to have their wedding there. And so because of that, they said, you're not allowed to do business. And now it doesn't matter what your position is on same-sex marriage. And it doesn't matter whether you feel, well, he should be required to do that. That's not the issue. The issue is they're saying, you're not allowed to conduct business at all in our city limits because of a belief that you hold. Now, to me, that in and of itself is really remarkable. Thank goodness there is a law firm that heard about this and they sued the city and the city lost in court really very quickly here. It's in some people say, well, those are great things, pastor, but I'm living Idaho and I'm glad Idaho is going that direction. Well, don't be so sure because the Idaho business for education executive director by the name of Rod Gramer advocates that the Idaho constitution prohibits any funds or participation at any level be given to any school except for government run schools. He just wrote an article with another man by the name of Jim Jones, who used to be a Supreme court justice. He's retired now, but he is the most left progressive person out there. He supports uh, transgender reassignment surgery for minors. He wants schools to be able to help kids transition uh, without informing their parents. He wants biological males to compete with biological females. And this is the position of Jim Jones. And uh, he advocates for these things regularly. And I think one of the difficulties is, is now the Idaho Business for Education has aligned themselves with this. And so I, I think that this is the primary thing is that we don't want anything going to religious schools. And so it's happening out there. Do we still have all the freedoms better than any other country? Yes. But are they being eroded? Absolutely. So, I mean, that kind of seems the idea of what cancel culture is really about is yeah. the slow chipping away of people that think, believe differently than yes. other people. Yes. Right. Um, we've got a couple minutes left. Do you want to speak on the ideas of cancel culture? I mean, we kind of alluded to this er earlier um, in the previous podcast yeah. about, you know, the synagogue being primary ground zero for cancel culture back in the day, right? Yeah. In verse 22 of chapter nine of the gospel of John, it's, it quotes, uh, he, he states that the parents said, don't ask us, ask him because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. So cancel culture is all about propagating fear. 
And so the people who have the light, the people who are the salt, the people who have been redeemed by Jesus are fearful, right, of sharing that light with anybody else. And that's why I am a strong advocate against socialism, communism, progressivism, postmodern deconstructionists, Marxism, critical race theory, all of these ideologies, because every single one of them at their core are designed to control and propagate fear. And fear is a powerfully, a powerful motivating factor in people's lives. And when you're afraid, you tend to not use your head. And so I think what that ends up happening is that the reason why there's so much lostness, particularly among young people, is because they don't know that their life matters mm. and they don't know their life matters because they're giving and taught ideologies that are empty. They're empty philosophies. And so it just creates despair. It creates anxiety. It creates depression. There is no happiness. There is no fulfillment. There is no meaning because they never hear the true origin story. And the true origin story is that you were created to be loved by God. And when he, you, but you'll never experience that because your pot's broken, your broken vessel, you need to be reassembled, brought from death to life by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, now you can f be filled with the love of God. And that's when you know that your life really authentically, truly matters. So I just love that we've been able to spend so much time working through these different ideas and really understanding what God's proposition for our value in our life is and why we're here and why that belief in what he says is so important to mm -hmm. us being successful, powerful, confident people who are going to do things that matter in this world and not just float around and make choices that are going to ultimately harm us because right. we don't think any of it matters. So mm -hmm. I'm really excited for um, you to close this series out on Sunday to yes. hear the final message uh, about this. And then we're jumping right into the Easter season. We're going to start our new series called Foundation, and um, it's going to be all about... Um, what the foundation, where our power, our strength, and all of that comes from, and that's ultimately through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I encourage you guys to make sure you tune in. It's going to be um, a three-week series, so it's a shorter series, but I'm sure it is going to be a very impactful series because yes. it's all about Easter and the resurrection. So uh, make sure you guys are keeping in touch with Foothills because we're going to be having a lot of stuff going on. Make sure you're making plans for your resurrection celebration and what that entails because it's going to be an amazing month of celebrating the yes. resurrection of Jesus Christ. So thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you on Sunday here at Foothills Christian Church. Blessings.